your tide to God, I just want to encourage you. There's a couple different ways that you can give. Um, we Called work it. You guys ready to work it? Listen, your faith works if you work it. Your faith works if you work it. This thing's been bouncing around all over the internet. Not quite as viral as I'd maybe hoped, but <laughs> you guys laughed, right? So, so guys, we're starting this brand new series in the book of James. Uh, there's, there's five chapters in the book of James, and we're going to start in the beginning, and, and we're going to work our way through and just see how long it takes and how far we get. You know, maybe it's one verse a week. I, I'm not sure. We could, no, I'm kidding. We're going to do chunks of it um, throughout the, the, the book of James. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. But today, we are talking about trials. We are talking about trials. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So there's a trial happening this afternoon. And if I had my way, I wish both teams would lose. <laughs> Is it possible? I mean, I guess through Christ, all things are possible. That's right. Actually, it seems like the most patriotic Super Bowl of all time, right? It's the Eagles and the Patriots, right? So very patriotic Super Bowl. As my wife cleverly pointed out, no, it's, it's a concert. With, but that might, actually might be more fun. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens this afternoon. That's right. Justin Timberlake, we'll see. I don't know. So listen, when you put your faith into action, it works. And so James, this book of James, you've got, you got, you got to understand a little bit of the background of the book of James as we're getting into this thing. And so James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. He's the half-brother of Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was alive, James was a little skeptical. That, think about this for a minute. If my brother told me, hey, bro, I am God in the flesh incarnate right here on earth in front of you, I would think he was crazy. I'd be like, no, no, that is, not, that is not true. I can understand why James might be a little skeptical thinking that his brother, who self-proclaimed, yeah, I'm the son, I'm the son of God. Yeah, no, yeah, if somebody does that to you, now you think they're a little bit crazy. So what changed his mind from James, the half-brother of Jesus, saying, my brother is cuckoo, he's crazy, he's calling himself the son of God. Like, like how does he go from there to all of a sudden an adamant believer, and not only that, but a leader in the church helping lead other people into faith in Jesus Christ? I got to tell you, I can't imagine anything that my brother would do that would get me to that place. Bro, if you're watching online, I'm, I'm, I'm being truthful, all right? I'm just being truthful. <laughs> You're not Jesus. <laughs> you know what he would do? Here's what he'd have to do. He'd have to die publicly, be dead, like dead, dead. Not like dead for 20 minutes, rub the paddles and shock him back alive dead. No, I mean dead, like buried in the ground, three days dead. Kind of like how Jesus. And then my, my brother would have to crawl his way through the dirt like a zombie and come punching his way out of the ground and come back to life and come find me. And then I might believe. Maybe. I don't know. Even then. But that's what James had to deal with is that his brother was saying that he was Jesus. That he was the son of God. That's kind of wild don't you, if you think about it. And so we are talking about works and how if your faith works, if you work it. And guys, we don't work to get saved. But because we are saved, there are works that come out of that. 
We don't work to get saved, but because we are saved, there are works that come out of that. And so we're going to be in James, and we'll start in chapter 1, verse 1. It'll be on the screen, but feel free to follow along in your own Bible there. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to the 12 tribes of the dispersion, greetings. He says, hello, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We all have trials in our life. How we respond to those trials in our life is what makes a difference. We all have trials in our life. How you respond to those trials in your life is what makes the difference. He's saying to count it all joy, the trials that you have. Are you counting your trial as joy right now? I'll tell you what, this is a tough one, isn't it? And we've gotten two verses into this book, and, and, and it's like, can I count the trial as joy? I mean, where does that kind of joy come from? See, ultimately, we know the answer to that question is that this kind of joy can really only come from God. I want you to have joy in the midst of your trial. Sometimes it's really just this, and I'm going to try to convince you of this, that the perspective that you take on your trial is what determines whether you're going to have joy in that trial or not. Whether, whether how you look at it. Are you looking at it from the angle that God is looking at this trial, or are you looking at it from the angle that the world looks at the same trial? Because if you change the way you look at it, you're going to find joy in it. It reminds me of, of uh, Sam and Jeb, and Sam and Jeb were out, um, uh, you know, just trolling the countryside, and then, and then pretty soon... They, they realized that there was a, a reward out, there was a bounty, that if you could hunt and capture wolves and bring them in alive, people were buying them for about $5,000 a wolf. There was, a, there was this thing going on, and, and so they said, oh man, we can go hunt some wolves. And, and so they're out looking, and they're trolling the mountainside, they're up and down the mountain in the, in the woods, they're catching wolves, they're bagging them, they're tagging them, they're caging them, they're shipping them out there, getting $5,000 a wolf. They are just cleaning up. They're super excited. And, and anyhow, one night they're out in the, in the field and they're sleeping and, and, and they have the campfire. And, and in the middle of the night, the fire's out. Sam and Jeb are asleep. Sam wakes up to the sound of a growling wolf. And he wakes up and he looks and he sees that he's sur they're surrounded by 50 wolves. 50 wolves snarling, growling, fire in their eyes, ready to eat them. And, and Sam's like, oh, I wanna, he bumps Jeb, 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 wake up, wake up. We're going to be rich. <laughs> your perspective changes how you view your circumstances. Can I get an amen? amen? Right? Come on. So if you are a follower of Christ this morning, if you are a follower of Christ this morning, my first point is this, is followers of Christ will experience trials. When you look at this verse, it doesn't say, count on all joy, my brothers, if you get trials. It says, when you get trials. Right there in verse 2, count on all joy, my brothers, when you, get, when you meet trials of various kinds, which means there's not just one trial you're going to face there's multiple trials because it's trial, not when you face a trial. So you're going to face multiple trials in your life, and they're going to be various. There's going to be variation within your trials. I wish it said, if you face the trial. 
Because you know what I mean? Then when you hit the one, you're like, I can get through anything one time and then I'm good to go, right? You get through your one trial and it is like smooth sailing the rest of the way. But that's not what it says. Trials and it's when and there's various and, and there's varying degrees of this. Trials will come. Can we count them as joy? Can we count them as joy? You see, it's not if and it's when and it's various. See, your trial today might be that you're sick. Your trials tomorrow or yesterday may have been that a marriage issue or a kid issue, or you may have had some other issue in your life, a trial that you've been facing before. But can, is God bigger than your kids? Is God bigger than your illness? Is God bigger than the negative balance in your bank account? Is, is God bigger than the bills that came in that you don't know where you're going to get resources for? Like, is God bigger than these things? It's not just a day of trial, but there are days of trials. Sometimes even seasons of trials. Sometimes extended seasons of trials. I wish the trials were short. I'd rather have it short and difficult rather than long and sustained. But sometimes there are the long and sustained trials that you have to wrestle through and face. So can you view your trial as a pathway towards maturity? Can you view your trial as a pathway towards spiritual maturity? I've learned that failure is the best teacher. I learn more when I screw stuff up than when I'm successful. Sometimes when I'm successful with something, I don't even know why I was successful in it. I'm like, that worked. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And you just move on, but you don't really know why. Well, when you fail, you, you have to learn why you failed in order to overcome the obstacle to get to the next level, the next thing in life. So you learn more in your failures. You learn more in your trials. You know, I want to believe that I can mature without trials in my life. But I can't. You want to think that you're better than that, don't you? Like, I don't really need to hurt through this trial, but, but you need it. You need the trial. When you've been through the dark night of the soul, you come out different and you come out changed. One of the most life-changing moments for me happened a few years ago, about four or five years ago, where the anxiety that I was dealing with internally that I'd never mentioned or, or spoken to to anybody started to creep a little bit out of control. I had an internal war going on in my head, but I was not vocalizing it to anyone. I was stuffing it down and not dealing with it. And I know nobody here has ever done that. But you stuffed it down. You put on the smiley face to everyone. And it grew and grew and grew inside of me. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought I had it contained. I had it controlled until in a moment I didn't. And all of a sudden, I broke, and I had panic attacks, and I was freaking out, and I spent months in, in almost near solitude, and I, I spent days in bed, and, and I, I went through my whole breakdown. There's a dark night of the soul, and I got to tell you, in that moment of failure, in that moment of complete collapse, God did a miraculous work inside of my heart and inside of my soul. I'm telling you, when you hit the hardest times of life, don't run from God, run to God, because He wants to bring healing and restoration into your life. He wants to bring something 
into you that will help you. He wants to bring a miracle into your life. And your point of failure, your point of trial, your point of suffering and pain, God wants to use that for his glory and for good. He wants to bring healing into your life through that situation. You know, suffering is part of life. And Christians are not exempt from it. In fact, Christians may even be more susceptible to it. If somebody told you that being a Christian meant the road is going to be easy and the, the pillows would be soft and you'd be floating in clouds like heaven one day. But in this life, this life is not that way. This world has fallen. This world is full of pain and hurt. The Christian life is not always easy. In fact, it's not the easiest path. Sometimes we've chosen a more difficult path, haven't we? In fact, you see that suffering is part of life. You see it in Jesus' life. In John chapter 16, Jesus is, is talking about how there can be joy in your grief. He can turn the grief into the joy. In fact, there's a chapter 16, verse 33. It says that I have told you these things that, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This world will bring trouble, but, but we serve one. If you're a follower of Christ here today, we serve one who is greater than the world. And seen in, first, in, the book of, or in Peter's life, in 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You see, when you're in the suffering and you turn to Christ, his glory gets revealed through your life. The truth prepares you for the suffering that may come. And the truth is this. You will face it. But you also have one in you that is greater than that which is in the world. You have Christ in your corner and on your side. And although you have to walk through the fire of the trial and walk through the fire of the suffering, you have someone along with you who will help you get through it. That is the truth and that is the promise. See, I believe that God is sovereign over all of the various trials. By telling us that we'll suffer, I think that God is giving us an advantage. Because if you think you're not going to suffer and the suffering comes, I think it makes it harder to deal with it. When you think life is going to be easy, but the trial keeps coming, it almost hits you by surprise a little bit. But knowing that it's coming and knowing that it's going to be you see, all of us are in one of three categories. We either just came out of a trial, we're in a trial, or the trial's about to come. There's really the three categories in life. And when you're not in the trial, it's good to prepare yourself for the trials that are come. And when you're in the trial, I want to tell you that God is faithful and just to get you through it. Don't run from him. Don't, you must run to him. Knowing that it's coming keeps us from going into shock and asking foolish questions when trials and suffering come on us. You know, not all suffering is from God, but God can use the suffering for his purposes. In Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 28, it's, it's a famous passage where it talks about how suffering is part of life. And at the end, the, the verse that gets quoted so often is, well, God works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. 
What that means is that when you're in the suffering and the trial, God can still redeem that situation to bring glory to his name. He can still redeem that situation that seems unredeemable. You see, when you know that suffering is part of God's plan, we'll be better prepared to trust in his goodness. For we're reminded that God knows that we are going to suffer, but he also knows that our suffering has a purpose. The second point this morning is this, is that followers will grow from trials. Followers will grow from trials. If you are a follower of Christ, although the trials will come, the good news is that you will grow from it. You will grow from that. Trials and suffering are, reveals our approval before God. In verse 2, James refers to suffering as a trial. In verse 3, he calls it a testing. You see, the word in, in, in verse 3 is one that kind of refers to the act of proving the worth of something. You're testing it to prove its worth. When you're at school and you take the test, you're proving that you know what you're talking about. When you have gold and you take it to get tested, you're testing it to make sure of its percentage of purity so that you know what value that chunk of gold is. I don't know. If you have a chunk of gold this big, come talk to me. But (laughs) I don't know why I did that. It's probably like this, right? A chunk of gold. It's, it's this big. But you know what I'm saying? Like it, the testing is approving of its value is what the test really, really is. When an athlete trains for a sport, he willingly allows the coach to push his limits. Push it harder. Let's put extra weights on that piece of metal, that bar. You can pick that up and put it back down over and over and over again. You know, he, 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 he willingly lets him do that. In fact, I, I have this workout program I've been going to, and, and there's, there's days I, I, I walk out of the, the workout program, and I, and I say, what am I doing to myself? Why did I go today? In the next two or three days, I'm incredibly sore. In fact, I'm, this arm is more sore than this arm today, which is really odd. But, but either way, like I'm, I'm working out. In fact, the coach in, the, in, in this thing, he, he intentionally targets different parts of the body in order to get it strong. You see, if it was up to me, I would only do like three exercises because those are the ones I want to do, right? I, I, would, I would do bicep curls because I want the big guns, right? You got to have the big guns. I'd probably do sit-ups because you want the abs, you know, and then uh, I don't know what else I would do. You know, maybe some shoulders or something so I can get the big sculpted shoulders, you know, big man shoulders. But it, what if you just worked out one part of your body? Now, in true form, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and so I have a Super Bowl commercial I want to play for you, and, and it... And it perfectly illustrates how working out one side of your body um, would look uh, if it were to actually happen. So if, if we could go ahead and play that video. Just one lemon left. Lemon skills are my favorite. They're my favorite. Let's settle it the usual way. Let's settle it the usual way! Settle it the usual way! Settle the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. 
If you only work out one side of your body, you look like a freak show, right? Like, you've got to work out the whole thing. Sometimes the trials that come your way, they hurt the worst because that's the spot that you need the most building up in. That's the spot where maybe, maybe you need some adjustments. The parts that you need to, to be more Christ-like. The part that you need to be more aligned. Not every trial in your life is from God. But some trials in your life may be from Him for a purpose to help change and adjust your character to get you back into alignment. To get you back into a balance. I don't like doing planks. But I end up doing planks all the time at the gym. Why? Because that guy yells at me and says, do a plank. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and I got to do a plank. You know? but, but I'm telling you, maybe the, some of the trials that you're in are things that God has ordained in your life to help you get to a better place. Sometimes it's not something God brought into your life, but it's literally an attack from the enemy. But what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it into something that is good in your life. If you're faithful to the Lord and if you're following him, if you're a follower of Christ, you can grow from the very trial that you're in. Trials and suffering produce endurance. But see, the trials and suffering results in our greatest joy. And our greatest joy is this, namely being conformed to the image of Christ. You see, endurance isn't the final goal. Having ripped biceps is not the final goal goal. Having certain strengths in your life is not the final goal. That is merely a step and a tool along the way towards maturity and completion in Christ, because that's the final goal, is to be mature and complete in Christ. James is saying that the result of our trials can shape us more into the image of Christ, so we should count them as joy. So we should count them as joy. Just like I said in Romans 8, God works all things together for our good, and this greater good is this, is that we would become more like Christ. We become more like Christ. And my third point today is followers will overcome trials. Followers will overcome trials. The fact that endurance must do its complete work helps us to see that, that God will finish his work. Those who are followers of Christ will endure these trials for our good and for his glory. Our response to suffering matters. Our joy and our cooperation is important as we respond to our suffering. If the band would come, we're going to close this morning. You see, our response in the fire of trials and suffering, if we have the faith that will endure, you see... When we face the hardest times in our life, that's the easiest time to walk away. In fact, when, when, you, when you look further in the chapter, it says that, that when you're wrestling with these, these trials and, and these tribulations, the idea of doubt can creep into your mind. Like, like I'm doubting whether God is real, whether he's here. Is, has God just abandoned me? Some of you may have even felt that way in the midst of your trial, saying, has God just left me here? You see, doubt is the tool that you, that you get to use how you're going to use it. You can use doubt to work in your favor. I know, you're thinking doubting. I, listen, doubt is not a bad thing. It's what you do with doubt that matters. You see, doubt can drive you into a closer relationship with the Lord. Don't allow it to drive you further away. When you doubt something, investigate it. 
When you're doubting whether God is there, start to ask him, God, where are you? Like, I need you. Start to dive into his word and say, God, did you really say these things about my life? Did you really say that you were always going to leave me and you would never forsake me? Like, those are the things when doubt starts to creep in. Don't let doubt drive you from God. Allow doubt to drive you towards God. Your faith will work if you work it. Jesus allowed Peter, when Peter was walking on the water, Jesus allowed Peter to fall into the water, but he didn't let him drown. When Daniel was serving God, God allowed him to get thrown into the lion's den. But Daniel didn't get eaten up. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a stand for God, they got persecuted and, and arrested, and they were thrown into a fiery furnace to be burned alive. But God let them get thrown in there, but he did not let them get burned up. You are facing a trial today. You are facing some suffering today. You're in the middle of it today. I'm telling you, call on the name of the Lord and understand that you might be in this trial, but that trial does not define you. That you have God on your side. You have Jesus at your back. And as you run to him and as you follow him, allow him to shape and mold you so that you might come through the other side of this thing, that he would get the glory. You see, you're not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. He was the hero in Peter's life. He was the hero in Daniel's life. He was the hero in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life. And in the midst of your trial, he wants to be the hero in your life too. Will you follow him and will you let him be that? Sometimes you can't change your circumstances, but you can change your perspective. Allow God to be the hero in your life. There was a woman who was visiting Switzerland, hiking around, checking out the sites. She came across this herd of of sheep and and a shepherd, and and they were kind of chilling there. And there was a sheep laying on the side. Looks like it was sick or hurt and kind of came up and looked and said, what's wrong with the sheep? Oh, it's got a broken leg. And Oh man, what happened to, how did the sheep break its leg? And shepherd says, oh, I broke it. She's like, what? Why would you break the leg of your own sheep? Well, you see this, this sheep, the shepherd says, this, this sheep kept wandering off and, 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 and would, it wouldn't stay with the herd. And in fact, it wouldn't, it wouldn't listen to my voice. It wouldn't stay close. It wouldn't, it kept like doing its own thing. And I kept trying to work with it and trying to work with it. But, but eventually um, what happened is that sheep started to influence other sheep. And now pretty soon this, this you know, wayward sheep is now dragging other sheep with it. And, and the other day they went really close to a cliff and a bunch of them almost died and fell off this cliff. So I, I was lucky. I got there just in time. I saved and I pulled him back. And I said, well, the sheep needs to learn some things. And so I broke its leg. Sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? It's actually what they do. The shepherds will do this. Based on my experience with this kind of sheep, I knew I had no choice, so I broke its leg. The next day, this is the shepherd speaking, the next day I took, took food to it and it tried to bite me. After letting it lie alone for a couple of days, I went back and it not only eagerly took the food, but licked my hand and showed every sign of submission and affection. And now, when the sheep is well, it will be the model sheep of my entire flock. No sheep will hear my voice so quickly, nor follow me so closely. Instead of leading others astray, it will be an example of devotion and obedience. In short, a complete change will come into the life of this sheep. I have, it will have learned obedience through its suffering. It will have learned obedience through its suffering.
We all face seasons of suffering, believers and unbelievers. Yet none of us will experience the full weight of suffering as Jesus experienced it. You see, he experienced suffering so that he could ultimately redeem our suffering. You see, through Christ, suffering can actually become a means of joy. If you're not in a season of suffering, this is the time to adapt to God's view of suffering. And then don't be surprised when God calls you to use it. So what's your response to trials and suffering? Do you trust in the goodness of God? Even when you don't feel it, can you know that he's still there with you? If you're suffering, I want you to know in this season that God is inviting you to trust in his goodness. If you've fallen in the water like Peter, if you're staring down the hungry lions like Daniel, if the heat is on like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, know that God is for you. He is not against you. He wants to be the hero of your story too. Can you trust him in your season of pain and trials and suffering? Will you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? I want to pray for you this morning. And and if you're in the place today, you say, Matt, I'm in the middle of a dark night of my soul. I'm in a situation where where the pain and the suffering is intense and, and I need some prayer over my life. If that's where you're at, nobody's looking around. We're not, we've all been there. We've either been there, we are there, we're going there. If that's where you're at today, I want to pray with you specifically right now. Is that where you're at? You put your hand in the air and just say, yeah, I see some hand, a hand here and here and there, and there and there. I mean, there's hands all over right now. And so, God, I just pray right now over these lives that are saying, to, that, that they're saying to this morning, that, that God, I, I'm in this moment, I need your help. So God, I pray that, that the God that works all things together for good. God, I, I pray that the God of Peter and, and the God of Daniel and, and the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God, I, I'm calling on you this morning to intervene in their life. God, that, that the pain might still be there, but, but God, that, that you would come alongside and comfort them. And, and for some of them, they need a miracle in this moment right now. And so, God, I ask that you would bring a miraculous sign into their life to let them know that you are there with them. You have not forsaken them. You have not abandoned them. And for those here this morning that are dealing with the doubt from the suffering and the pain and even doubting, God, are you with me? God, I pray that you would have an ever-present presence in their life right now, that they would not have to doubt that any longer. But, God, that, that your spirit would fill up their spirit and that they would know right here and right now that you have not abandoned them and left them. You might be here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you went through a trial and you said, I'm blaming God for the pain that I've been in. Rather than turning to him and saying, will you get me out of this pain? Maybe you've said, I have never followed Christ. Or maybe you followed him once and you walked away. Today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day where you say, I decide to put my faith in Christ and I choose to follow him once again or for the first time. And if that's where you're at, again, every head bowed, every eye closed, will you just lift your hand and look at me? Make sure I see you. I got a resource for you that I want to give you and I want to pray with you. 
If that's where you're at, saying today's the day I'm making that decision. Today's the day I'm saying I'm going to follow Christ with my life. Amen. So Heavenly Father, as we leave this place this morning, God, I pray that, that you would be with every one of us, God. God, as we face trials and suffering and pain, God, let us find the joy that this talks about in your word. Let us find the joy that James speaks of. God, let us find that thing. God, help us to see the joy and the suffering and the trial. Not that the pain is any less, but we have the hope of the future of who you are and what you're doing in our life. God, I pray that your presence will be known to each and every one of us as we head through our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, if you'd stand with me, we're gonna sing one more song. While the band is playing, We also have prayer teams that will be on either side of the stage. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, they came here fired up and ready to pray with you. And they'd love to pray with you. So come on, church. Let's sing one last song. God bless you. Have a great week.
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen.